Welcome to the Influential Nonprofit, the show for nonprofit leaders to grow their influence so they can grow their income and impact. Now here's your host, Marianne Dersch. Hey, and welcome to another episode of the Influential Nonprofit. I am your host, Marianne Dersch. I work with nonprofit leaders to grow their influence so they can ask for and raise more money without feeling rejected or pushy. Who wants to feel rejected or pushy? Not me. And I am here with Angie Winchell, who is a strategic and proven communications professional with more than 30 years of experience helping companies and organizations find clarity. And I have probably known you for most of those 30 years, Angie. Have I not? Yep. Okay. And now Angie right now, and this is what I want to talk about, is a marketing communications, provides strategy, marketing and communications, and fractional CMO services to a variety of clients. So let's talk about what is a fractional CMO and why do I want one? But wait, (laughs) before you answer that, always my first question. I almost missed my first question because I got excited. Tell me something that you're proud of, but you don't get to brag about that often. Okay. So I prepared for this. Oh, you did your homework. (laughs) I think you're the first person that wasn't like shocked by the question. I'm like, you got to listen to the podcast. You got to listen to the podcast. I mean, there's good stuff on this podcast, people. Mm -hmm. So something I'm proud of that I don't brag about very often is that I am learning to say no. How about that? That is a thing that that is a skill that I was not born with, that I did not learn in any of my education. And it is a skill that you got to work at. And I'm getting it is there. a skill. So what made you want to say no more often? The feeling of being things being out of my control, the feeling of ending up in rooms and meetings and projects where I thought, I'm not, I don't want to be here. I don't want to be here. I don't have a lot to give. They need somebody different or I need something different. Mm-hmm. And what's interesting is, you know, we put a lot of stress on that say no, right? You you can see that it's all over social media, self-help books, you know, just say no. It's not the saying no that was so hard for me. It was the figuring out what I really wanted, right? So, and you're in the moment and you're feeling that stuff and you're kind of trying to talk yourself out of it. You know, this is fine. I'm just tired or I've got a right. lot going on, whatever. But that's the moment when you just have to hang on a second and say, if you don't want to say no right then, you can always say, let me think about it. Right. That was huge for me, even saying, let me think about it. And right. then being able to collect my thoughts and come back and say, not going to do it, but thanks. Yeah, it is such a good skill. And so when I work with, like in my Up Level Your Influence course, when I work with people on boundaries and agreements, right? So if we're going to raise our standards, right? Like that, the, the standards are our floor. We rate, you know, like we're going to raise our ceiling and like we're, we're going to raise our floor to hold that. Mm-hmm. So the boundaries and agreements are the walls that kind of support the floor. And so a lot of it is like, it's because this is what I hear you saying. It's not just what you said no to It's What are you saying yes to? Exactly. Like, what do I really want for myself? Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. is it like more time with my kids or, you know, more time to enjoy certain things? Like, what am I saying yes to? Because it, and you will like, and it, I think it's hard to disappoint people. And if people are used to you saying yes, and then they're like, oh, I'm saying no, like, well, no, that's not Angie. She says, yes, like, come Mm -hmm. on, you're going to do it. Like, and they'll push back a little bit. And then sometimes you will like, people will okay, like, okay, well, I'll just say yes, because there's, it's very uncomfortable to say no. 
Mm-hmm. And I don't want I don't want the feeling guilty or whatever. So I'll just do it. Right. But you're right. If you can right. sit in the ickiness of that a few times and you realize, oh, wait, I can get through. Now it's like, woohoo. <laughs> it really is. Yeah, it is. And and I think it's exactly what you said. It's it's a choice. You're saying no to this, so you can say yes to these other things. And it's really, it's really just keeping a promise to yourself and right. not not putting yourself last. So yeah. It's and like, I would always, you know, I used to have these thoughts of like, well, that's a lot of work, but I don't want anybody else to have to do it. So I'll do it. Like, mm, no, there's a way around this. It's not, you know, I don't have to take it on if I don't really, if I'm not the right person. So anyway, that's. Yeah. And I've, I found myself like in my home, sometimes it's mm-hmm. hard for me to like, let go. Mm-hmm. Like when I go on trips and stuff and I'm like, oh, you know, or I'll just do it. Or I'm worried that's and. When we say no, we allow other people then to step up and do stuff and grow in their ability. So like mm-hmm. when when I leave, you know, my husband has to like manage stuff that I would have managed. Well, now he's growing, you know, like mm-hmm. if I'm doing it all the time, if we're always saying yes, then no one else is getting the opportunity to, you know, to grow. Right. And so it's, right. it's a, it's a gift all the way around. I tell you, and it keeps on giving. <laughs> it, it is true. <laughs> All right. So let's go back. What is a fractional CMO? Yeah. A fractional CMO. It's it's a model that's borrowed from the financial industry. So there's a lot of fractional CFOs, chief financial officers. So this is the same idea that an organization, whether because of its size or its budget or just other decisions that it's made, it doesn't have the capacity or or doesn't want to, to employ someone full-time in a chief marketing officer role. Um, and it could be that, you know, that it's a salary that they don't want to add to their overhead. Maybe they have one person who they really want to lead marketing and they feel like that person needs to grow into the role a little bit. Maybe there's a very temporary moment in time where they feel like they want that expertise and that experience. So maybe there's a growth opportunity. Maybe there's an expansion opportunity. Maybe there's a merger coming and they just want someone with more experience or different experience and different expertise. And so it's really, you know, I can, I can be that part of your team. I can help develop the folks on the team. I can help with strategy. You know, I can also help implement some things, create processes. And it's really, it's, it works great whenever there's a, an internal team that is looking for a partner. That's really the, that's really the best way that it works. All right. And so this is like, like, you're not full time, right? You're, you're doing this for several, maybe other, other people at a time, Mm -hmm. but it's over a period of time that you're a part of the team. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. And, and it's really, you know, six to 12 months is a good amount of time to sort of start with because there's usually, uh, you know, obviously there's a planning phase. We need to figure out sometimes folks come and they know exactly what they want to do. And it's very well thought out. Most of the time, it's a little bit more of a, "Mm, we're not getting the participation at this, or we don't have, you know, our recruitment isn't working or our, our annual fund isn't working or whatever it is. And it's really kind of vague. And so then we need to do some, some diagnosing in the beginning, but then, you know, getting processes in place, making sure the right people are on the team, doing some coaching. I do a little coaching. That's really, people start to get some traction. And that's really what, that's really what I love is seeing we're setting goals. We're working towards those goals. People are growing. It's all the good stuff. To yeah. Me. I mean, I, 
I know for sure it takes a year to make like true transformation takes a year, you know, and, and I like that setting up that expectation from the beginning because it, it, you know, people want to change. So, you know, like they want to like, Oh, let's, you know, let's shift this whole thing. Like, Oh yeah. And it takes time. It it just, it takes time. Right. Uh, Um, all right. So let's talk about the nonprofit space, the marketing and the nonprofit space. What are you seeing right now that's kind of working for people? I think I'm I'm seeing people get a lot more comfortable in actually doing some of the things that you were just talking about and saying, this is who we are. This is who we're for. And we're not for everybody. I'm seeing more targeted messaging, which I love. Yep. I'm seeing less, you know, less let's just hop on the bandwagon here because we thought we should, you know, as far as messaging goes. And I'm seeing better storytelling, I think. There's better storytelling out there. For a while, we went pretty crazy over social media. Did you know it's free? Social media is free. (laughs) It's free. We should be on social media. We got into it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and we, we kind of junked it up for a while. And I think that we're getting back to understanding that we have to have a strategy for social media, just like any other communication vehicle that you would decide to use, you need to know who you're talking to, why you're talking to them, what you want them to do, and how you're going to measure it. And so I'm seeing a little more restraint and a little more, you know, crafting of messages on social. Yeah, focus message. Right. So you have, you know, your expertise, and then we can talk a little bit more about you know, your past and all that, but your expertise is really, you know, successful branding. Mm -hmm. And so what is it like, again, what do you, what do you see as, you know, how could, what do you think? Let me ask the question again. Mm -hmm. What is the, like, what do you see as an, a simple thing or, um, is there one thing like people could do to just up-level their brand? Hmm. There's a simple thing or not maybe a simple thing, but mm-hmm. I'm just wondering if there's something you see like, oh, this. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, I think for people to understand that your brand is, you know, it starts before your logo. So a lot of times when people want to talk about brands, they want to talk about, well, yeah, we're not going to touch the logo. It's fine. Leave the logo alone. I, I could care less about the logo right now. I think getting to a brand position statement is a big thing. And it's really, you know, what is the big idea that we want to leave in the minds of people after they've interacted with us? And it should be really simple. And it can be, it doesn't have to be, you know, super involved or um, really all that measurable. Like we don't have to be able to go out and do a survey to measure if people think you are the best provider of childcare services. We don't have to, we can start communicating without without knowing that. So I think a lot of times people think it has to be very defensible. It has to be very, right. um, you know. So I think one of the big things that people can do is just start asking. Just start asking the people in your office or your donors or the folks who participate in your programs, what's the best thing about us? What's the best thing? And then just listen. And you'll you'll start to hear some trends and then then you can build from that. Yeah. The listening is so important. And I know that, you know, that was a lot of the work that I did and I continue to do. It's like really just listening to how people are receiving it. And I love what you said about 
you know, like what is the one big idea? What is the one thing that you want people to remember about you? And um, I do that in my course. I do that personally. Like Mm -hmm. we talk personally, like, what do I like? What is my personal brand, you know, belief positioning statement? Like, what Mm -hmm. do I want people to know or feel about me? And it's often really fun to think about like, okay, what, what, what is the impression that I want to make on people like as myself? And then as an organization, like what, what is our gift to the world? So how do you, how do you help organizations as a fractional CEO? And then also like, and then are there other kinds of like support that you provide? You do project work as well? Mm-hmm. I do. Yeah. So so with the fractional CMO work, there's usually a period of diagnosis and figuring out what people need. I love to meet with the team and understand everybody's you know strengths and, and where they want to go and what they want to do. I think that's really um, an underrated resource for all of us in our, our marketing. We, we tend to think about, well, you know, we need to be on social media, we need to be doing direct mail, and we need to have a good website, all good things. But first, we need to start with, you know, who's on our team, and what are their talents, and how are they all going to work together? So I'm super interested in the team aspect of it. And then we do look at the strategic plan. I mean, where, where, do, where are we going? So once we have those pieces in place, sometimes people don't have a marketing plan. Sometimes they have a very general one and we need to create one for the next six months or something like that. So we'll work on a marketing plan. We'll look at really making sure that we understand the audience. Who, who are the people who think like we think and want to support us? Um, and what do we know about them? So all of those different pieces of the marketing mix. And I, you know, I can lead a meeting. I can show up on Zoom. I can help facilitate. We can have conversations. There are so many ways that we can start understanding what what are we trying to say and who are we talking to? So kind of the basic. Right. Yeah. Again, you and I, like, we because we're, you're in St. Louis, I'm in St. Louis. You yes. worked at a company called Almanac. We'll talk about that mm-hmm. in a minute. I worked at 5-1 Creative. We bid on the same projects a lot of yep. times. We kind of swam in the same ocean mm-hmm. didn't really encounter each other that much you know considering like right. that we had the same audience and one of the things that i saw and I, I i don't know if this is shifting or not is like marketing tends to be undervalued and the teams of marketing you know experts inside nonprofits tend to i would just see this as a trend um and i'm not saying it's across the board i'm just saying i've seen this as kind of a trend their expertise gets ignored, right? And so often you and I are like meeting with or talking to people who know what they're supposed to be doing, who know the right way to engage. And there's something internal that's keeping them from actually communicating and and with, you know, to their expertise, to what Mm -hmm. they know works. Mm -hmm. Is that something that you see as well? Oh, yeah. I think there's, there's a few things going on there. But I think a lot of times there are not enough people on the marketing team. And I I mean, I'm going to go out on a limb here and say every time, especially in a mid-sized nonprofit, the person who is supposed to be leading the marketing strategy is also the person who is, you know, making sure that the mailing list is is right and has to be super in the weeds about, you know, this donor, that that donor, you know, those are very different ways of thinking and very different ways of showing up. And and it's you know, when the stuff is right in front of you and it's got to be done and you know there's a deadline and, you know, 
people are going to do that sort of thing. And what we end up doing is we put the strategic thinking on a list for when we get time. And if there's nobody like me who's coming around saying, hey, we were going to meet and we were going to talk about this strategy. And I know you had ideas and I had ideas and we were going to put something together. Doesn't get done until maybe the night before the board meeting when somebody says, Hey, could you come and talk to it, present your marketing strategy tomorrow at the board meeting? You know, and then you're like, Oh my God. So I think there's one of the things that I can do in this position is just make the space for those conversations and make the time. And, you know, I tell people all the time, use your calendar for yourself, make your calendar work for you. You can go out a few weeks and put a couple meetings on there just with yourself and call it marketing strategy. Nobody needs to know. Just block out the time. And especially if other people have access to your calendar, the time, the thinking time, the time for insights to come up is, is so important. I mean, we just, you cannot just sit down and do strategy. You have to have time for it to develop. I'm so glad you brought this up because we are just so... I have a back end like coaching program that's a year. So people who do my course and they, if they want to continue on. And this month where we are working on time and right, like make your calendar your friend. I love how you said that. And I actually had a one-on-one with someone yesterday where she was talking about, we looked at, we did this whole chart and like, what do you do? Like categorizing, itemizing your tasks, giving them a category like, thought leadership, executive uh, management, admin, technical. And then how much joy do those tasks bring you? So it's one through 10 joy meter. And the things that brought her joy were donor meetings. And, but that was, she was spending like the least amount of time on. Mm -hmm. And because it's the grants, it's like, it's the deadlines. It's like, they are always, you've got to get that email out. You've got to get this out. And all that, the future just stays just like, just out of your reach. So one of the yeah. suggestions that I made and that I'll make for, for, for those who are listening is you put your future first, mm-hmm. right? I said, so what could you put in a time where you are working on generating, doing donor outreach to generate these meetings or like doing that, you know, like one of the things was exactly as you said, like planning, mm-hmm. sitting down to plan. And because what happens is we become so reactive. It's just react and re- we are not. And it feels like gerbil on the wheel. And so like, so putting the future first, I said, so like start your week with 30 minutes. I bet if you, if you had 30 minutes, Mm -hmm. you could, you would have like, or an hour. And then, you know, that, and then, so now, you know, the future is taken care of, bring on the present, (laughs) you know, and I, and I'm working on that too, Mm -hmm. but that's one of the things that I think you're right. Like all those future activities they just get pushed to the side until again, it becomes urgent. Like, Hey, the board meetings tomorrow. What do we say? Now we talk about it. Right. So now we're meeting in a space of like urgency. We have to say something instead of thoughtful intention. Right. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, Oh yeah. It, that's a different energy that comes out of, of that. than it would come out from the, from really. Yeah. 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 And you have to also, I mean, it goes kind of goes back to that saying no also, because you have to know that you can say no to a couple of things. So that, you know, that's leadership. What is the, what is your leadership? And then what does the leadership look like above you or alongside you? That's making it possible for you to say today, I cannot put out all of these fires today. I am focused on this one thing. So that's a whole, that's a whole culture. And, you know, that's another 
It's another it podcast. Is. <laughs> it is. <laughs> that is a whole cultural <laughs> shift, right? Yeah. And a lot, you know, what I what I teach people is like what you put out is what you get back. So if mm-hmm. you're putting out rush, you get back rush, right? Yeah. If you if you're putting out like ease and confidence, that's what you'll get back. So when we tend to like get all into like the like, oh, we're not gonna have enough time and then then that just stirs up everyone else's pot. And then you're just getting all of that back at you, you know, like coming from a place of it, there's, there's time for everything. Time. I do this to myself. If there's enough time, it, it time. always works out and mm-hmm. there's always, there's always enough. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. I want to talk a little bit about, you know, you, this is, you know, the role that you're in is a little bit new, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so let's talk about, you were with the company Almanac for a long mm-hmm. time and what kind of work did you do there? And I just really want to like share the story of like, cause I think it's okay that things end, you know, and, and sometimes it's hard. We don't want things to end. We want mm-hmm. things to stay the same. So just kind of share a little bit about what the kind of work that you did and, and then, you know, why you all in the end decided that it was the time to let go. Yeah. Yeah. So I founded Almanac back in 2009 with my business partner, Nate. And we had worked together. We met when we were both working at the YMCA of Greater St. Louis in the marketing department there. And he's creative, creative director, designer, and I was strategic communication. So great partnership from the beginning, enjoyed working together. So we found an almanac really focused on purpose-driven brands, nonprofits, and branding and website development. That's where that's the work that we did. And it was great. It was amazing. It was wonderful years of my life. We built a team. We had in February of 2020, we had just hired our 15th person. We had created a, yeah, we had created a growth plan to grow on purpose. So not, you know, everybody working 60, 70 hours a week until we thought we were going to drop and we'd say, Hey, we need to get somebody in here. So we had strategically thought through what were the positions, where, what were the trends, you know, where were things going? And then, you know, March of 2020 was something that we, nobody saw coming or, could have planned for right yeah and i know you look back right now like that was so crazy so crazy <laughs> i i looked a few weeks ago i was cleaning out some emails and i looked at the email that we sent to our team that friday it's like march 15th or 17th yep. or something like that and we said you know what we're gonna work from home for the next couple of weeks we're gonna flatten the curve and we'll let you know you know we're we're doing all we can we've got projects. We work, we already work remotely, not a big deal. We can already do client calls remotely. We do it all the time. This is going to be fine. It's going to be fine. And then nobody ever came back again, you know? And so we, you know, pandemic happened, um, sent everybody home. Let's all be safe and healthy. And our main prospects in our pipeline at that time were higher ed, large social service and foundations and some health, a little bit of healthcare. So those were kind of our four. And so they basically, there was no attention. There was no money for the kind of work that we were doing. And, you know, we were finishing up projects, but things were getting canceled. Things were getting shifted. And it was, it was a really scary time. And we really just wanted to know, have our clients know that we were there for them and we could help them, you know, everybody was going to come out okay, but we didn't know. We didn't know that. And it seemed like for the first few months, things just kept getting worse and worse. You know, I remember it slowly dawning on me like, oh, this is not going to be over quickly. This is a fundamental 
issue. This is a big. Yeah, I think it took about six months for it to really sink in. Like, oh my, okay. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And, you know, and seeing people and everyone's scared, people are getting sick. We're all dealing with our own personal stuff too, about how it happened, you know, what was happening to families. We had lots of folks on the team with school-age kids who now had to be teachers. Do we remember those first few months when they had to teach their children from home? And so, yeah, so a lot going on. There was also a lot going on politically, which is usually which usually caused our clients and nonprofit to be a little more cautious. So fewer projects during election years usually. And then the George Floyd murder that summer started bringing to the forefront the idea of, you know, who should be telling stories. And we were always very respectful and inclusive and tried to do the best that we could to tell the stories of the people who were being helped by our clients. But it's undeniable that black and brown people should be telling their own stories. And so there were a few projects that we just said, this isn't where we should be. There were a few projects where we were asked not to continue on in the process because people were really realizing the importance of who was doing the storytelling. And we didn't know at that point, we didn't know the best way to support other storytellers. And we really kind of stepped back then because we really wanted to make sure that voices were heard and we didn't want to be distracting or or in the way. So anyway, a lot of stuff was going on. It was very, it was a real tumultuous time. And as our pipeline didn't come back, we had to reduce the team a few times, which was heart-wrenching. And then, you know, by the end of 2020, Nate and I were just kind of looking at where we were and where we wanted to go. And, you know, honestly, we were tired. Um, yeah. We were tired. And so we just decided that we would wind down Almanac. And so that's what we did. We finished up some projects together, just the two of us, and then we ended it. And so it's weird. It's a weird feeling. Yeah. And, um, and I think the thing, you know, the lesson here is just how grieving, right? Like taking the time and the space to just Hey, something I love ended and it's painful. And also things end. Right. You know, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> it's part of life yeah. that, that, that things change. Yeah. And I'm still me. I mean, that was, that was like the little small voice that I would hear, you know, whenever I would start thinking, well, what are you going to do? What are you going to do without a team? What are you going to do without, how are you even going to, you know, what do you have to offer? And, you know, and it was like, I'm still me, you know, things, things didn't go the way I planned. That is for sure. I never, ever would have thought about that, but yeah, I mean, it, it, things end and then new things begin. And that's, and I think COVID taught us so much in the nonprofit space. First of all, how, you know, everything didn't go according to plan and most people did just fine. You know, like most people shift, like we are capable and I feel like we want plans to give us a certainty and control that we never had anyway, you know? Mm-hmm. And so, yes, we want a rough direction of where we're going, but knowing we can yep. step into something different. The other thing I think it did is when you're talking about George Floyd and all that, really take a look at how we tell stories. And this is something I've been talking a lot about lately, which is how we tell stories, who is telling the story and, you know, the the traditional kind of like victim villain hero oh, no. model, right? Yeah. Like, yep. oh, these poor people, yep. you are donor hero, come yep. save them. 
Like that is like, like it's just very outdated now. And um, I talk about the, the, like the empowerment dynamic, which is instead of like victim, your creator, like I'm a creator mm-hmm. of my experience instead of villain, I'm a challenger. So I'm holding people accountable instead of hero. I'm a coach, right? So like a donor isn't a hero, like they're a coach, like, Hey, here's some resources go, you know, right. like they, they're right. And, yep. and it's like, and creating just a more balanced person, like a nuanced story where we don't, I think in the past people are like, Oh, people won't be, they won't understand. They won't understand what's really going on. Yeah. Like trust them. They will. <laughs> right. You know, like, like mm-hmm. I, you know, like I have a long relationship with the foster adoptive care coalition. I think they, they are a really good example of like, we trust our donors to understand mm-hmm. The complexities of the situation our kids are in. We trust our don't like, and they were also were, were people who were like when George Floyd happened, that really took a step back and said, "We are not." And and to, to, uh, as how they were telling stories, mm-hmm. and and really being, you know, and and calling out and talking about the mm-hmm. systemic racism yeah. in the foster care system, mm-hmm. you know? So I think it, 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 it like, well, you know, courageous communication, yeah. <laughs> like stepping up into that mm-hmm. to have those really meaningful conversations that are going to shift things. Yes. And I think that that is part of, I don't feel like we've really understood the gifts of COVID yet, but I feel like that is one of them that I see mm-hmm. is like, how, how can we, tell a a more authentic version of our story instead of the polished one. Right. I had like a foundation person tell me you might know her like, Oh, those pretty brochures you make. Those are the things we're trying to get out, you know, um, out of the way. So we can like, we want to, we want to get around those to see what's really going on. Yeah. Like, no, our goal was to make a, make Mm -hmm. a piece that Mm -hmm. communicated what was really going on. Right. Well, and how, how presumptuous to come in and say, here, here, community, or here, people, this is what you need to be fixed. Here's the answer. Right. This is what our donors want to do for you. I mean, really? You know, the the whole idea that the community knows what it needs. Let's let them speak to that. And then let's take that information and match it up with people who also believe that, who want to support it. Instead of starting with, you know, here's money, to make right. the, go make this happen. So yeah, I think there's a huge shift. I think it it did start. It got a great jump start that summer of 2020. I think more needs to be done. I think more conversations need to be had. That's another one of those things that like when we're too busy doing the day to day and we're like, oh, I don't know, I got to get the letter out. Right. That's when we don't, we lose those opportunities, you know, right. to, to make some lasting change. Yeah. And, you know, the day to day is important and, you know, there's also space for there is for other things, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yep. And that's one more question then, because like just hang tying into that a little bit, like I see organizations like I feel like there's a lot of space for them. You can release a lot of things that really aren't working for you to make more space for what does like maybe having these kinds of conversations, you know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. so what do you, like, what can people stop doing? <laughs> Is there anything you like, you know, maybe not universally, but like, what, what, like, what can we maybe let go of? I don't mm-hmm. know. Well, I think we could let go of a lot of meetings. Okay. I think, I think there are lots of meetings that get put on the calendar as a way to hold people accountable 
And as a way, because people don't really know how to manage projects in any other way. And so they put a meeting on the calendar and we all sit there and we say the stuff that, yep, we all already know. And that meeting could have been an email. It could have been a quick phone call. We don't need all of those people gathering around just because you don't know how to ask someone if the work is done, right? So I think there's a lot of that. And maybe that goes along with your courageous communication and being able to ask for what you need mm-hmm. instead of kind of going around the back way and, right. you know. Hey, do you think you can yeah. get that done yeah. for me? Or well, like, I made right. a document. I made a whole document. Or and having, yeah, having to like have a meeting with everybody around. So mm-hmm. it's not just one person. Yeah, I could I could see yeah. that. Yeah. Clear, mm-hmm. I think clearer communication would save us all a ton of time. And, and we're we're worried because we want to be, you know, be seen as a team player and we want to be, you know, the helpful one, or you don't want to be seen as, you know, too aggressive or whatever, but being able to clearly say, this is what we agreed to. And I'm looking for it to happen. That saves a whole lot of like worry and anxiety and multiple meetings and multiple conversations. And, you know, let's all just be clear and say what we need. Right. And misunderstandings and cleanup conversations, then you're taking it personally. And then somebody's got to talk you through that, you know, like, I, yes. Just in general, we, I feel like, you know, well, I, I think we were fed this idea that we don't get to have feelings at work, mm-hmm. <laughs> but everyone has feelings and we have feelings all the time. And so navigating that, I think is really important. That is something I help, I help people do. Is there anything like strategically you feel like, I mean, are, you know, are, are people like still doing print newsletter? Or, like, is it like, is there, I don't know. I'm just like, what mm-hmm. are some of the things that like we want to think about doing or maybe think about not doing? I I love the question of what should we not do? Because I think we're all just not all, but I think, I think it's easy to get spread too thin. And I think it happens because somebody had a great idea and we don't have a framework to look at, to say, well, that doesn't fit in my framework. I'm happy to look at it, you know, at XYZ date, but for right now, here's what we're doing. So I think, you know, a couple of things, if everybody would go and look at their marketing plan and figure out one thing they could stop doing, I think that would really help us get to clearer communication because we do tend to like I said we just tend to junk it up we're going to we're going to put it on this postcard and we're going to send you an email and we're going to put it in your you know on social media and all that good stuff so really that and I think it's you can't make those decisions until you know who your audience is mm-hmm. and so those kinds of the things that we do should be tightly tied to our audience and where they are so investing a little time in understanding that will help. Then then we'll know where the rest of our resources go. Yeah. And like, I mean, when I was at 501 Creative, like we stopped doing email mm-hmm. because we weren't good at it. I wasn't keeping the list up. We we were sending out so infrequently. And at one point I'm like, okay, we either need to do this well or just stop doing it. Right. We're like, this is really not at that. That this was a different model, right? Mm-hmm. Like how. I do email every week. It's like really one of the most foundational strategies that I have. I have one that I'm crafting right now over here on my other monitor. And and yet, so it's like looking at like, like, yeah, like what you can let go of because it's really just not generating anything. But 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 we've just been doing it for so long and no one questions like, why are we doing it? So yeah, but understanding your audience, what they're responding to. So yeah, I would love to, yeah, everybody look and say, what one thing can I stop doing? <laughs> there has to be one because we have there to release to what no longer serves us to make room for what does, right? right? Because we can't just keep piling stuff on and so like letting go. And then I think as, because what I'm hearing is like fractional CFO, 
you're coming in and working with a team and really looking for things like that, right? How can Mm -hmm. we better use our time and resources to get better outcomes? Yes. And it's really just bringing in a different perspective, which as you know, you know, when we're lucky enough to be consultants, we do have that different perspective. And so we don't know all the backstory and we don't know all the reasons why Bob is the one who sends out this email and all of that jazz. We don't know it. And so we can come in and say, we can ask those questions. Why are you doing this? And then sometimes even when people are explaining it to me, they'll be telling me why and they'll be saying, like, Wait. oh, we don't need to do this. <laughs> we don't need, but I guess we don't need to do it anymore. Right. right. Oh, well, there you go. Yeah. Do, do, do the people like, do the team members get a little nervous or like hesitant? Like, oh, she's going to give me a bunch of stuff to do or. I, you know my- what? I, I hope not. And I, and I, <laughs> I try, you know, I try to come in as like, you know, as a bridge between whoever's idea it was to bring me in, which is not <laughs> usually not the team. Right. Um, sometimes it is though. And sometimes it's a, a VP, a new VP of marketing. Who's like, I just need some help getting things straightened out. I know what needs to be done. I just need somebody else who can, you know, think like I think and help me sort this stuff out. I really one of my favorite things at Almanac was developing the team and asking people things like, you know, if you could do any job here, what would you do? And then just listening to that and helping find those places where they can find some of that joy and where they can do some of that stuff that they think is cool. So that's really how I approach it. And I hope that people don't feel nervous. They probably do a little bit. I don't know. Um, They probably do a little bit, but hopefully, you know, after we work together a little bit, they understand that that we're really just looking for the best for everybody. And mm-hmm. I think, you know, that kind of goes back to your, what you were saying about endings. Sometimes we're just, the person isn't the right fit. The project isn't the right fit. And that's okay. It doesn't have to, somebody doesn't have to be wrong and somebody's right in right. those situations. It's just, this wasn't a match. We weren't in alignment. So now we all move on to better things. Exactly. Yeah. All right. Speaking of moving on, we're probably just about out of time. Is there anything else that you want to add or share with the with anybody? Closing words of wisdom? Closing words of wisdom. Oh, the pressure. I think that I would just say that it, the things that you're talking to people about with themselves, know yourself, understand who you are and what you want. That's really all a brand is for your organization. So just know your know your organization, know your brand, know who you are and what you want, the difference that you want to make. That's a great place to start. Yeah, it is a great place. And that's why like my work got more and more into like personal because that's mm-hmm. what I saw like of people the you know, like in order to have an effective brand, you have to have that awareness. And then that awareness comes from the you, typically the person running the organization or, or the leadership team, like, like embodying that. And, and then mm-hmm. sending that signal out. Right. Uh, mm-hmm. Right. All right. So the last question, you probably know the last question though, because we live in the same city. So chances are pretty good. We'd wind up at karaoke together because you know, <laughs> I love karaoke. So if we were at karaoke together, what would be your go-to song? My go-to song would be Bad Reputation. Oh, <laughs> I love that song. <laughs> Me okay. too. Angie, it's a date. <laughs> All right. At Benatar, Bad Reputation was also the theme, the the opening song for the show Freaks and Geeks, which is just like one of the most uh, like RIP Freaks and Geeks because that was canceled. Wait, every single person on that show was famous, right? Like every single person that that show was so well done and so well casted. That was the opening right. song. I mean, I, I think you could open song. anything. I love that song. Uh, yeah, 
Ah, yes. Okay. We are making that happen. All right. I'll be there. Right. Okay. And how can people get in touch with you if they want to learn more about you? And we'll put it in the show notes so people can find you. Yeah. Best way is just to email Angie at AngieWinchell.com. Do not go to AngieWinchell.com and expect a website because there is not one yet. <laughs> <laughs> But there is an email. There and is an email. LinkedIn, they can, you're on LinkedIn quite a bit. LinkedIn, now. yes. Yep. All right. So we have your LinkedIn and your Facebook and your email and in the show notes. So if people want to reach out and connect with you about, about some marketing, I hope they do. That'd be great. And that is it for this episode of The Influential Nonprofit. If you have not yet, go to theinfluentialnonprofit.com. Throw your email in and you get your up-level, your influence starter kit. It's filled with all kinds of cool stuff about different things that I teach and practice and how to be more influential and, and how to get people that you have no authority over to do what you want them to do because our life is filled with those people. And that's what I help you do. And if at any time you feel, you can always reach out to me, Marianne at marianders.com if you have questions or if you want to talk about what it would look like to work together. And I'll see you next time on the Influential Nonprofit. Thanks for listening to The Influential Nonprofit with your host, Marianne Dersh. If you enjoyed the show, please tell your friends and colleagues about the podcast. Also, check out theinfluentialnonprofit.com for more resources on growing your influence so you can raise more and do more.